good morning. Welcome to Connection Point Church, and welcome to all those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here. So glad you've joined us today on a rainy Sunday. Good news is we prayed in the first service. My kids' soccer games will get canceled this afternoon, and it worked. (laughs) Who wants to go out and do that today? Oh, man. Lord help us. It's perfect weather. That's right. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a muddy mess. Well, uh, we're going to get into a message today as we continue our series in Luke on uh, who is Jesus. There's lots of views of who Jesus is in our, our culture today. Uh, differing views from, from religions. Of course, we lived in uh, the Middle East in North Africa and uh, worked and, and um, loved on Muslim peoples and their view that Jesus was a great prophet. And of course, some would view him simply as a good teacher. And of course, as Christians, we would see Jesus as the Son of God. But it's also interesting for Christians that oftentimes as you talk with people, they have different views of, of who Jesus is in, in terms of his characteristics. And so then the question is, well, how do we land on who Jesus is? Of course, the answer is in Scripture. We, we allow that to speak to us on who Jesus is revealed to us, O God. Who is Jesus? That I may follow him better. And so as we continue our series in Luke today, we have a great definition for us of, of who Jesus is. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you've got a Bible with you today. We want you to have access to God's Word. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, you're welcome to one underneath the seat in front of you. If you don't have one at home, consider it a gift from the church. Take that home with you. We want you to have access to God's Word. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, picking up from where we left off last week. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word, saying, thank you, Lord, for giving your Word to us. In Luke chapter 19, we find the passage of the triumphal entry. Isn't that fun how that worked out in the preaching calendar? I didn't even plan it. Couldn't have if I wanted to. Thank you, Lord. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as had been told them, and as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you, when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. Last week in Luke, we talked about what Jesus expects of his followers. We discovered that Jesus expects his followers to stay busy. We stay busy... Kind of tied to this passage this morning because there are many who are lost. He wants us to be loyal and faithful. 
we found that the reward for following Jesus is greater responsibility. That's a challenging thought sometimes. But at the same time, with greater responsibility comes a greater need for King Jesus. And so then we are granted more of the king. So that's why it's a reward, because the reward in the end really is Jesus. And I have to say thanks to all those who, in response to last week's message, uh, they pursued greater ways to follow Jesus and step into uh, the life that they know that God had been preparing for them. So it's been fun to have conversations about where things are headed and what God is putting on people's hearts and how they can be a part of becoming everyday disciple makers. I don't think the world has yet seen a church full of everyday disciple makers and the impact they can make on a community and that they live in. Um, But I'm believing for that day. I'm believing for the day that the church says, oh Lord, help us be everyday disciple makers that your name might be made famous. Uh, And I I believe that we'll see that day. Greater days are yet ahead because God continues to move. I love Narnia. Aslan is on the move. And man, we want to see him. And this week as we continue in Luke, we find Jesus staying busy. So it's interesting. He defines what it is that he's going to come back and check on. And then he models that for us. He stays busy. He is loyal and faithful to God the Father. What the task is that's been set before him. And he's rewarded with ever greater responsibility. He's soon going to enter Jerusalem and face the cross. But before he faces the cross, he's greeted by groups of people in different ways. And in so doing, they revealed to us who Jesus is. And the first thing we find is, Jesus is Lord. Man, Jesus is Lord. So Jesus sends a couple of his disciples to go and get a colt, a donkey for Jesus to ride on. And Jesus tells them what to do. Go into the village in front of you where you are entering. You'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away found it just as they've been told. The owners were asking, why are you untying this colt? And they simply said, the Lord has need of it. Jesus proclaims it, these disciples affirm it, and the people respond to it, because Jesus is Lord. From this passage and others, we find that. And this is important, there are many titles for Jesus in the Bible. He's rabbi, the good shepherd, he's a suffering, conquering king, a prince, a friend. And we do have to be careful not to just pick the ones that we like and solely see Jesus how we'd like to see him. But we've got to take him for all of who he is, because he is good. Jesus is a friend to the poor, absolutely, but he is also Lord. He is above everyone and everything. There is no one equal to him. There is nothing alongside him or above him. Jesus is Lord. The Jews would have heard this as blasphemous. The Romans would have heard this as treasonous, because the Romans say, Caesar is Lord. And Jesus says, no, I am Lord. Do you know Jesus as Lord? Jesus in this statement is establishing himself in authority over everyone and over everything that has ever lived upon the earth or will ever live upon the earth. This is a big statement. So the disciples tell the owners of the cult, the Lord has need of it. And like the owners are just like, okay, here you go. Can you imagine that? Try that sometime. Go pull up to a farm. Tell me how that goes for you. (laughs) I would encourage you. Maybe look to see if they're on the NRA list first or something, you know. The Lord has need of it. Sure he does. Well, I do too, right? 
but they freely give it. And that's what it is to live in the kingdom. Are we living open-handed that says, oh Jesus, whatever you have need of, it is yours. This goes back to what we talked about last week. How are you leveraging your life for the sake of the lost? In a couple of weeks, we've got our miracle offering coming up in May. If you weren't here for that last year, it was incredible to see people say, Lord, we want to leverage our lives for the sake of seeing your kingdom built. And so on Sunday, May 5th, we're going to do that again. I encourage you to be a part of that. Wonderful to see. Like we had a member who said, Lord, how could I leverage this antique car for the sake of kids who need Jesus? That's what it is to live open-handed and say, Jesus, it is yours. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. But Jesus is also king. Jesus is king. Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a colt. And in so doing, Jesus was making a very important public statement. Some people have argued that Jesus never presented himself as God. We can see just in this passage alone, that's not true. He did it in a multitude of ways. Sometimes he would just say it, and other times he would show it. What we see in our passage on this occasion... But then at the same time, he shows it by riding on a donkey. So he says it and he shows it here. You see, there's been a prophecy that was given hundreds of years before through the work of a man named Zechariah. And God had promised through him, you'll know that your prince has come. You'll know that your king to be is among you. Your Lord is at hand when you see something. So Zechariah shares this. And so people were waiting. And here's what Zechariah said. And this is hundreds of years before Jesus is born. The prophecy was, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Ruthel had been waiting for this. The prophecy given hundreds of years prior. Your king is coming. He's humble. He's righteous. He's coming to save you. And you'll know it's him when he rides into Jerusalem on a young donkey. You've been waiting hundreds of years. I shared last week, Christianity is the ultimate and delayed gratification. The Lord in his time. They're waiting all this time. I don't think we can begin to imagine what it must have been like that day. People living under Roman occupation wondering, when, O Lord, when will the king come? Because life was not good for them. Days, weeks, months, years, hundreds of years. And people are wondering, is he ever coming? And God has revealed, he will come and he will come like this. And then one day, the people were not expecting it. They had sort of lost hope, and there he is. And in that moment, the people realized this is the day where the promise of God comes true. The day is here. The feeling of who is that? It's Jesus. What's he riding on? A young donkey. It's like, oh, oh, this is that day. It's finally here. The king has come. What an exciting day it was for people in Jerusalem that day. And there's two responses to this from the crowd. Some in the crowd would say, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Is that your response to the coming of King Jesus? Do you bless his name? People rejoice and they worship and they're glad and they celebrate. 
They lie in the street and they cheer and they sing and they're filled with emotion and passion. There's hope for us as a people, they exclaim. And what is Jesus doing? He's riding into Jerusalem to conquer Satan, demons, sin, death, and hell. That's what Jesus is coming to do. He's going to conquer all of our enemies. He's going to wage war against everything that's against us. That might defeat our, He might defeat our enemies. That He might deliver his people. This is why Jesus is going. But then some Pharisees respond. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They don't want Jesus to be their king. But what does Jesus say? I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Why? Because all of creation was made by Jesus. All of creation exists to glorify Jesus. And if people don't praise God, then apparently it gets to the point where the trees and the rocks jump in. You see an echo of this in Romans 8 where it says that creation has been frustrated by human sin and that it longs for liberation and deliverance and the coming of Jesus so that it might be free to glorify the creator God of the Bible. It's an amazing thing. Jesus here is saying, I am to be worshipped and the people are not wrong. And even if you silence them, the rocks will cry out. So how about you? Are you a person who likes to sing, celebrate, rejoice, and raise your hands? Some of us, we're a little more free. Some of us, not so much. <laughs> a pastor I know, he was a new Christian, a college student. Uh, he found Jesus when he was in college. Uh, he'd been a part of a pretty traditional church for a little bit. And then he happened to visit a charismatic church. And he didn't know what that meant. The next thing he knew, the band kicked in, people started singing like they meant it, which was new for him too. And then he saw hands go up in the air, and he thought, oh, I better guard my wallet. What's going on up there? People are getting robbed, you know? <laughs> he had no idea, no context. People would sing and rejoice. They were exuberant like they thought Jesus was alive. He admitted. He said it was a little bit awkward at first. I'll admit that. Then he considered, look, if I was at a band concert or a sporting event, I wouldn't do any different. Jesus is alive. I guess I should be a little bit happier. <laughs> so, Jesus is alive. <laughs> he is Lord and King and Savior. And we can rejoice in that today. We should rejoice in that every... That should be a wonderful reason to get together on Sunday, that we can rejoice together and exalt and magnify Jesus. Jesus is Lord, he's king, and he is savior. It says when he drew near and he saw the city. So Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives. If you were in Jerusalem today, you could follow a procession, a band that goes down, and you could walk that walk, a triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And simultaneously what's happening is there's rejoicing, people praising Jesus, and there's also weeping. And this is the Christian life. It's one of both rejoicing and weeping. It's this interesting mix of emotions. Jesus sees the city of Jerusalem. He wept over it saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. People had closed their eyes. Jesus is there and they've closed their eyes. 
For the days will come upon you, Jesus says, when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. God has visited them. Here is God and some people have closed their eyes, spiritually speaking, and said, we do not see him. And Jesus looks at Jerusalem and he weeps over Jerusalem as Nehemiah wept over Jerusalem, as Jeremiah wept over Jerusalem, as Paul wept over those who are of the line of Abraham that closed their eyes to Jesus as the Messiah. There's a weeping over the lost. And Jesus doesn't cry a lot. There's only two recorded occasions. But Jesus weeps over Jerusalem because when God's heart is broken, he weeps. And if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we should have the heart of God and we should weep for what breaks the heart of God. And what breaks the heart of God is a city that closes its eyes to Jesus. And in this case, it's Jerusalem that closes its eyes to Jesus. And so he weeps. Everyone is rejoicing. They're rejoicing. What a thing to celebrate! And then Jesus, he is weeping because he says, not for them all. And he prophesies that the city will be judged because they had been visited by God and not responded. They would be besieged by an enemy and the city would be destroyed. And that came true around 70 AD when the city was sacked. The temple was destroyed and all of Jesus' promises came true. There is a window of opportunity that God gives each one of us, each of our cities. We think about West Lafayette and Lafayette. There's a window of time to take the hand of friendship extended to us through the person and work of Jesus and respond in kind to say, I will be a Christian as Jesus defines it. And I will walk with him. I will not close my eyes to this Lord, King, and Savior. I'll receive forgiveness of sin and eternal life and I will turn from evil and I will trust in him. There's a time for that. It's the heart of God. It should be our heart as well as the Holy Spirit breaks our heart for the area in which we live. It should be this continual conflux of emotions that we talk with one another. Tell me about Jesus and we can joyfully talk about the King of Kings. And then we have a friend that asks us, and tell me about your city. And you say, oh, there's much work to do. There are many lost here. And so there's this rejoicing in Jesus and weeping over the lost. Do you have both of those in you? Can you come on a Sunday and sing and rejoice? But then can you also go home and weep over the lost and say, God, may they rejoice too? That's God's heart for us. How, how are we living like that? Because Jesus says it's not only for the one in front of you, but it's for the children that will follow them too. This is a task of generations. Jesus is Lord, King, and Savior. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to close in song this morning. And as we go into a time of singing... I don't want you to worry about what everybody else is doing. You be glad. You be glad. Don't worry about anybody else around you. Raise your voice, shout, clap, have a little fun. I don't know if you heard, Jesus is alive. So let's rejoice. And then as you go out this week, it's okay to weep <laughs> over the lost and have that heart of compassion because it will lead you into the life that God has for you. Without that compassion, you won't be driven to do what God asks you to do. 
So we're going to rejoice and we need to have hearts of compassion. And I just want to say, if you're here today and maybe you have not yet found your rejoicing in Jesus, man, may you find it today. With every head bowed in this room, if, if today you would say, I've not rejoiced in Jesus, but I want to today. I want to re- rejoice in him as my Lord, as my King, as my Savior. If that's for you today and you say, I want to com- commit my life to him and experience that rejoicing, I just invite you to raise your hand as we close this morning. I want to pray with you before we leave today. Up here in the, on the left, anybody else that would say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to devote my life to him. I want to rejoice in Jesus today. Jesus the King. God, we just thank you for the one that raised their hand. And Lord, if there are others in whom you're working on their hearts, oh, King Jesus, may they rejoice in you today. God, may they experience the freedom that only you can bring, the liberty of living a life committed to you. And so God, I just pray that you would strengthen and make this person steadfast in your name. Lord, that as the enemy comes against, I just pray Jesus that he'd have loving brothers and sisters that would come alongside and say, follow me as I follow Jesus, we'll journey together. God, I just pray that you would help us to continue to have a heart of compassion for the lost. May we rejoice in you, Jesus. We magnify your name, O God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of our prayer team members, um, if you raise your hand or maybe you didn't raise your hand, if we could have a couple of prayer team members come, we want to be able to meet with you and say, here's how you follow Jesus for a lifetime and give it a, a Bible into your hand. So as we close in song, if you raised your hand or maybe you didn't, but you want to know what does it look like to follow Jesus, I just encourage you, as we rejoice, you rejoice by stepping out and coming down. We'll rejoice with you. All of heaven rejoices with you. And we're just going to sing and rejoice as we close today.